I'm Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about different ways of learning a new role-playing game. In the news, Wizards of the Coast's Kyle Brink tells the company side of the OGL story, Steve Jackson Games teases but does not confirm a new edition of GURPS, the Dark Souls RPG is getting a new bestiary, and more! Plus, a new listener question and a brand new sketch about the difficulties of slaying a dragon to become a hero. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Fleetway Incorporated is a reliable and speedy courier. They only employ the best ex-highwaymen and former pirates, so you know your precious cargo is in safe hands. With the region's largest stable of Pegasi, next day delivery is almost guaranteed. Extra charges apply for deliveries free of Pegasus dung. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Pete's Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Today, we have political analyst and Popeye enthusiast. It's the one, it's the only, it's... It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. And as per every week, I feel I need to give context to the listeners. You really do need to explain them every week at the moment because so, they're so obscure if you're not actually in the room. Yeah, Popeye Enthusiast is because um, I was just finishing my lunch before we started recording and my sandwich has some spinach in it. And there's a link between Popeye and spinach for those in the know. Mm-hmm. And what was the other bit you said? Political thing? Oh, yeah, I was <laughs> complaining about capitalism, but then saying how we're not actually under capitalism. We're kind of in, in, moved into neo-feudalism. And now you're up to date, dear listener. Okay. I, Welcome. I, I really feel all the best jokes are the ones that you have to explain, I find. Absolutely, just, yeah. Just like that just, that just makes sketch, them yeah. That just makes them funnier, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Anyway, shall we get on with the show? Because we've got a listener question. Excellent, um, yes. A listener question. Would you like to hear the listener question? Well, we could try answering it without hearing it, but I feel that might be less successful. Correct. I think you give it a try. Yellow? <laughs> no, Maybe. Try okay. it later. Um, <laughs> my my response will be uh, yellow. Yellow, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> so the question comes from KC1. Yes. KC1. Uh, and the question... Is uh, what a DM or GMing skill do you lack but wish you had? Mm. Good question for me. I can tell you right now, it's voice acting. I can't do accents and I can't do voices, and it's the thing that I can't. I can't even oh. slightly do them. Every NPC sounds like me, even when I try to put a voice on, it still just sounds like me. So that's that's the one for me. But that doesn't hmm. bother me as a player. I don't think that's a. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't bother me as a yeah. gym, but I, if I yeah. if I could have a skill that well, I don't have, I go, oh, I'd have that. Okay, fair, yeah, that, okay, fair enough, yeah. Peter, what say you? Doing interesting NPCs. I could do very boring NPCs, but... <laughs> oh, or, or, or very stupid NPCs. Mm. I, I, I really enjoy doing stupid NPCs. But not everyone uh, in your world can be stupid, because that just doesn't work. I don't know, Russ. Uh, <laughs> I think I think you're fine. Uh, I, I mean, basically, what I want to do is I want to make the players feel like they're the smartest, most capable people in the world, which is like why I've always disliked having some sort of Gandalf figure show up and solve all your problems. Yeah. And the reason I do this is by making most people that aren't the villains 
so haplessly incompetent that the hero's like, oh God, <laughs> we, are, we are the most competent ones here. We must save these people mm. from themselves. This is so yeah. worrying that we're the best you just do, people you just, you just do it by setting a really low bar, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just bury that bar. Dig a hole, bury the bar. <laughs> yeah. Throw some concrete on top. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, interesting NPCs is a good one. Uh, what about yeah. you, Jess? Well, the thing is, because I'm so new to DMing, I feel in my brain I'm like, everything. Um, but I think oh. one thing, I think the one thing, I, but not because like, oh, I'm a terrible person, but just because when you do something for the first time, you're not going to be as good as when you've done it for the hundredth time. Because that's just how, like, learning works. Experience sure. works, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can take it from a different, different tack, perhaps. Mm. But one thing, I think my thing I would put for the moment is that I don't know what I don't know. That would be mm. my biggest thing as GM. Because there's probably things that I'm not aware of that I should be doing mm. or could be doing that mm. I'm unaware of because of my experience. But the way I'm going to get over that is just by doing it more. I don't think there is a should anyway, though. I think it's oh, well, yes. develops their own style, doesn't it? So yeah. you just develop yours. You're absolutely right. You're actually right. To, yeah, to, yeah. To put, uh, pos- sorry, Peter. You're gonna say- oh, well, sorry. Uh, I was just thinking that actually, in many ways, now is a really good time to become a GM mm-hmm. because there's just so much more information that's available to you that yeah. I never had um, and that I've sort of had to acquire from various places. Like, and there's uh, so much stuff you can watch. Is the yeah. Yes, thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, things like safety tools. Um, those oh, are yeah. really good, uh, not just for keeping people in a good place, but also because it allows you to take more risks yes. and go faster and harder than you would otherwise. It's the difference between wearing a safety belt and not. If you're wearing a safety belt, like you can drive faster and take corners in a more dangerous fashion. I'm not saying you should, but you know, yeah, it's it, it, that that's the best way to think of them. And uh, things like stars and wishes, which yes. is where people say what they liked and what they wish they had more of. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't an idea back in two thousand or whatever. It was like, uh, well, at least not as far as I'm aware. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. We've drifted way off the question. Now, a little but, bit, yeah. But I yeah. was going to flip the question a bit to make it positive and say, what GM skill do you think you have, or like, what's a thing that you know you're good at or you're confident about as a GM? I think, and you know, I'm just talking about myself here, so yeah. I, I might be wrong. You can tell me. You've uh, been in my games. We, we both will. We've both I've, been in your I've, games. I've never been in your games. I think uh, I'm quite good at pacing and keeping the energy up. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think I, that's one thing I'm quite good at doing. I would agree, yeah. Being in the Dragonlance campaign, the time goes really quickly. And like, I don't realise it's been three hours and we've been doing stuff. And I look back and we're like, wow, we did many things. Yeah. And it didn't feel... And it all felt very organic from my perspective as a player as well. So yeah, yeah, I, I think there's no, there aren't sort of like periods of like dun, 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 when I'm running a game. It just kind of it does truck along at a decent pace, which is something I think I'm okay at. Peter, what about you guys? Well, we've already established mm. you're very good at lowering the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, important. Um, like because I'm very focused on making people feel good about themselves. I think one of the things that I tend to be quite good at is trying to set an atmosphere using my voice. Mm. Like, yeah. uh, sometimes it doesn't always work out, Sometimes, but sometimes you lower your voice to make people listen. And then you switch it up. Um, mm. So for all those people who reach for the volume control to switch up the volume, ha, 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 I got you in the ears. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, yeah, and just like little playing around with tricks like that and the way you pace and describe stuff. And like trying to, trying to evoke feelings of eeriness is something I'm very good at. Mm. It's just the rest of the horror genre that I'm very bad at. Right, right, right. <laughs> How about yourself, Jessica? What are you, yeah. what are you, well, do, you do you feel comfortable answering that question? Yeah, yeah I, I'll give it a go. Well, I've got very limited experience, obviously, but, um, I mean, as a, as a GM, 
But one thing I think I tried really hard to do, and I think I achieved it, was I wanted to create, using safety tools, a really safe space so people could explore quite uh, dark or distressing kind of character situations. Because mm-hmm. um, we were playing a horror game. And I think it worked. Because at one point, one of my players in character was crying and rocking in the corner um, and did that for a few minutes. And afterwards, as a as a player was fine like no issues there and everyone was safe and comfortable so i was like Mm. the fact we got to that level of role play and Mm. everyone was still having a nice time and it was you know that was really good because that's kind of what i wanted that game because it was a horror kind of themed game so i wanted Mm. that so yes i guess i made a place where people well the table was a place where people felt safe to kind of tell that kind of story which i think is a really tricky thing to do because if that goes wrong then it's bad Mm. so i i feel good that i did that (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I hope we have answered Casey's Casey One's question adequately and other questions as and well. A, and a bonus question, why not? For the and a bonus question as well. Shall we jump into the news? I have some news for the week. Oh, yeah. We'll all be shocked to hear it is related to the open gaming life. No. But please, but please. That seems completely unlikely. <laughs> oh, there's something I didn't yeah. need to say. A correction <sighs> from last week. We made a mistake. So last week, or was it the week before, whenever it was, I was talking about the Creative Commons license mm. and a number of people wrote in yes. to tell me about a mistake I made and my reading okay. of it was wrong. And they are correct. I was okay. wrong about something. So um, what it was, I was saying that there was no way that with the Creative Commons license, you could divide up a license yeah. into separate parts mm. okay. um, like you could with the OGL. Yeah. Um, people pointed out that that's exactly what Wizards of the Coast did with the SRD. They said, um, originally, before they, before they released the entire thing in the Creative yeah, Commons, yeah, yeah. but originally they said, okay, um, these pages, this page to this page and this page to this page are released under the Creative Commons, effectively yeah. doing exactly the thing that I said couldn't be done. So I was incorrect there and you can do that. Yes. So there you yeah. go. I just thought, good to have the correct information on record. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Not so, that many, not that many people particularly care, but you know, for those that do. Okay, so I could release a book and have the illustrations marked. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say for certain. I, I, I'm, yeah. I am under the impression now yeah. that you can ha- you can use Creative Commons and specify which bits of the book are yeah, yeah. Okay. are Creative Commons and which are not. Yeah, I mean, I have been thinking about releasing a very lightly laid out book of the stuff I've written has mm. like a Creative Commons. Yeah. Stuff. But as always, um, always re- read the license yourself and yeah, consult a lawyer yeah. if you have questions. Wait, don't, take, yeah. don't, don't take this as legal advice at all. Do not do that. If you have listened to this podcast for any length of time and you feel we're in any way qualified to give you legal advice, well, I mean, thank you. That's very flattering, but we are really not. <laughs> Ooh, talking of legal advice, though, yes. Yes. on a5esrd.com. Oh, yes, yes. Um, there is a page going up very soon because it's come back from the lawyers because I wrote this page and it was how to use the OGL. Woo. Nice. And I was like, right, I want I want the lawyers to check it and make sure I'm not giving people bad advice. Is so, that how to use the Creative Commons or the OGL? The OGL. So yeah. at the top of the page, of course, it will say this is not legal advice. Consult your yes. own lawyer. But yes. this is it's just basically basic instructions on what you need to do to use the OGL. And the lawyers okay. come back, suggested some corrections, yeah. which I'll be making. And yeah. that, that will go live on that page and there'll be a drop down. It'll be how to. And I'll have used the OGL at some point. Yeah. There'll be a use Creative Commons mm. and possibly use Orc when and if that comes out, you know. Yeah, you can see what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. Just so there's information there. Just a resource for people to use. 
Yeah, yeah. That's not legal advice, but it is a basic little instruction manual on how to use it and defines some of the things that come up. Yeah, I should look forward to that. Thank you. Yeah. And that's that, really. Yeah. But please, this this whole podcast isn't going to be about that again. Um, <laughs> again but please maybe. i mean we've done that like so so there's no, nothing huge, too major but um pretty much kyle brink who's the wizards of the coast executive producer has started doing some media stuff now so they've been interviewed on um some youtube channels they're on three black halflings on monday mm-hmm. um, yes. alpha stream on wednesday so mm-hmm. they're starting so basically wizards of the coast is kind of breaking the science a bit and having a bit of a chat with the community about their perspective on the situation and so so carl brink's been on and been saying and i'm not going to comment on this but i'm just going to say what was said so in a summary just just to interrupt there just if people will probably cover it quickly but if people want much more detail i went through each of those videos and basically bullet pointed every single point made yes and put them in articles so if you want to sit there and read it in depth then we can just sort of Skim over it here. Absolutely, yeah, I'll skim over it. But yeah, like I said, on the end, well, there's links to the actual show so you can watch them or if you prefer to read, there's those article bullet points there. But to summarise, Brink was like, oh, so OGL was made because there's a fear Facebook could create a D&D metaverse and then they wouldn't have any control over it. There was also, mm. uh, they were worried that it would, it, their brand would become associated with adult content, which I'm kind of like, eh. But anyway, and the the thing about the royalties was meant to be a deterrent for large corporations. And so it wasn't meant to be like an industry published thing. It was only meant to be like very large kind of other corporations and prevent them entering the space. Mm. Um, well, I did, well, I did know that he did say. I, mean, I don't know how much credence we do put on all this because it is kind of a, a damage control kind of Yeah, exactly. Thing. But um, he did say that basically the idea was if you were in the TTRPG space, so I, I guess if you're Paizo or Kobold or someone like that, the 750 would just be the the mark at which point you'd approach wizards and work out a different arrangement with them. Mm-hmm. So the, the, it was just kind of a, a deterrent against the really big corporations and a way for them to identify the larger ones. I don't, you know, I can't really speak to the truth of that, but that's that's the reason. That's what, and yeah, that's why I'm reporting this is what was said yeah. <laughs> without yeah. commentary. Yeah. Um, and it was also said that the majority of the 30 people person team of Dungeons and Dragons weren't aware of the changes um, because the company had put like a, a, they said a wall between the creative team and the executive decisions, um, and the intent was to not distract the creative team. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that's again, I don't know if that's a bit of trying to protect the creative team so that people still support and buy the products. Because mm. that would be a clever PR move. Because I've heard a lot of people say, like, well, I think we said last week, the keys in the golden vault. Well, like, it's such a shame for all those people that have worked on this product, and it's probably really good, like all the artists and the writers and stuff, but now everyone's yeah. got a bad taste in their mouth because of the brand. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, like, I mean, to be completely clear, it's like I've never for one second mm-hmm. entertained the idea that any of the people actually working on producing the books, like any of the creative team, could have had anything to do with those ideas because sure. they would have said, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they, they would have, like, just thrown up all the red flags. They'd be just like, no, this, don't, don't do this. This, please, no, is what they would have said. Is my opinion. Like, possibly you disagree. I don't know. But it just seems like the sort of thing that if you know anything about the industry, you'd be saying, no, don't do that. Mm. Um, yeah. But anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, so those, the, and they, they said the reason they kind of didn't comment on the, the leaks and stuff at the time, because they, they just felt anything they said would make it worse. And so they mm. wanted to wait until they had an updated version before saying things. So they had like a solution, mm. uh, which is one approach. Um, and then, 
Yeah, and that the the company's looking into releasing other system reference documents um in the future, but need to review it to make sure they're you know they're putting stuff into Creative Commons that they want. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but there's but basically they're kind of talking a bit now. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, you can check that out with them um, on enworld.org. We've got all the links for more detail. But if you're tired of hearing about the OGL. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk about other news. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, di- I did have a tiny snippet of news, which is mm-hmm. tangentially co- connected. Um, part of the like the thinking which has led to this was this talk of D and D being under monetized. Mm-hmm. Bank of America has come out and said that Magic the Gathering and D and D are being over monetized. Yeah, I saw that Interesting. today. Interesting. I didn't. And yeah. is that what else do they? Discuss um, Peter more, please. Uh, well, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> it it feels sort of it's it's quite hard to say exactly where to put this. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bank of America has put an unper- underperform rating against Hasbro, mm-hmm. and its forty two dollar price target. Mm-hmm. So they reckon that's like twenty nine percent drop in price. And in November, they warned that Hasbro was killing the golden goose mm. by over monetizing uh, Magic the Gathering. So, mm. um. I, I, I'll quote directly what mm-hmm. Bank of America said. This is not me yeah. editorialising. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Within its Wizards segment, Hasbro continues to destroy customer goodwill by trying to over-monetize its brands. Mm. Yeah, I um, saw that. The stock and is it. still not de-risked given a host of outstanding issues. So, yeah. there's, there's another quote there. We remain especially cautious on Hasbro's yes. Wizards segment. Given its over monetization of magic, yeah, yeah. Wizards recently tried a similar tactic with D&D. Proposing changes to its licensing agreement, which led to substantial pushback from the community, including calls to boycott the D&D movie. And that, again, was from Bank of America said that. Mm, wow. mm, mm. It's interesting yeah, yeah. there's people outside our industry looking and making comment, because it's such a niche thing that we do. And I think, you know, it's, mm. it's interesting when people outside take note. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that on uh, Mastodon and was like, oh, okay, that, that'd be a nice little tidbit know. for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. it is. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how these stocks and things go. They said that they've cut their estimate of Hasbro's value by 29%. I don't really know what that means, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's... um, all rich people nonsense, sir. Yeah, I'm sure sure some people listening to this know exactly what that means. I don't, and whatever. But that is a thing that has definitely happened. There we go. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Fantasy Age? Yes, let's do that. Hmm. The role-playing game? Yeah, so this is from Green yeah. Ronin, or Ronin, if, as they, they pronounce the word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Russ's war on language continues. <laughs> is it a war? Is it an evolution? We will never know. <laughs> yeah. um, they've, they've posted, so fantasy, they've got three um, three games, so there's Fantasy, Age, Modern Age, and Future Age, as I understand yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And they all use the same system, which is the Adventure Game Engine. Yes. Which I believe was originally designed for maybe a Song of Ice and Fire game or, or Ooh, one, one, was, of, one, of, thought, one of their licensed games. I thought it was Dragon Age. It might be Dragon, Dragon Age. Yeah, that sounds more likely, actually. Yeah, because yeah, it's got Age in the title. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dragon Age for their Dragon yeah. Age. I knew, I knew it was one of their licensed ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so it was originally designed for that and then they've sort of genericised it. Genericised? That's the word, isn't it? Genericised. Yeah, yeah. Genericised yeah. it, yeah. That, that's a perfectly prominent word. Excellent. I'm glad I used a real word. <laughs> With Fantasy Age, and then they've made Modern Age and Future Age. Um, but um, there's a second edition of Fantasy Age on its way. It's been on its way for a while. Mm-hmm. And there's a new blog post from them talking about the new class system. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the original edition, there were three classes. There yeah. was the Mage, the Rogue, and the Warrior. Yep. 
and they're adding the envoy. The envoy is a master of influence who rallies hearts and acts as the face. So the older classes, they're not staying the same. They're getting tune-ups, they're getting changed, they're getting upgraded, they've got new stunts and Mm -hmm. stuff, more refinements. But they're also getting a brand new class. And uh, the new edition is apparently expected this month, so soon. Yeah, yeah, it's expected this month, so soon we will know Um, everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess it's kind of like that's traditionally the role that a bard would take in a and d Campaign. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. Sounds, yeah. Oh, it, that would explain why Blue Rose, is, which is for those who might not be familiar, is a setting which is all about romantic fantasy. It uses the age setting, I'm sure and that's Blue actually Rose on sale was, at the moment. Was originally a standalone game using D twenty yeah. originally, and then mm. it turned into a setting for adventure game engine. I think I'm not one hundred percent sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, it's it's on sale, um, and it's. I, I, I've never had the uh, good fortune to play it, but it's spoken of very highly as being into romantic fantasy. Mm. And they've got that discounted and drive through RPG from $20 to 12 mm. Oh, nice. So I don't know if that's right. still available, but yeah, yeah. worth a look. Hey. So there's a rumour going around, and this is mm. utterly mm. a rumour and has not been confirmed by anyone official. Ha! Marvellous, marvellous. Are we, are we talking fi- about GURPS? We are a fifth okay. edition Ooh. of GURPS. What? The Steve Jackson Games has not said this. No. However, there are little snippets that people are kind of putting together and they're thinking maybe there's something on the horizon. That, but, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know. It's, complete, it's completely hypothetical. Yes. So, um, D20 GURPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Please don't hurt me, listeners. I'm sorry. So the Steve Jackson Games TikTok account made a reply to someone asking about a new edition of GURPS. Mm. And they said, uh, we are absolutely watching. And while GURP stock is doing numbers, why don't you all answer this question for us? And it's basically, what would you want to see in a new reason? No reason, just because, you know. <laughs> Which doesn't, absolutely doesn't mean yeah, there's yeah. an addition on the way. It doesn't mean there's an addition on the no, way. No, no, no. Um, but on Sunday, there was a blog post from Phil Reed, who's the CEO of uh, Steve Jackson Games, highlighting a discussion thread on RPGNet speculating about new features. Oh, so again, this is absolutely not confident. You know, it's nothing really. It's just little little breadcrumbs, which yeah. may or may not mean something. Probably don't, but it has been like twenty years since fourth edition came out. So yeah. it's certainly oh, yeah. space. I mean, I suppose like normally you you said like uh, what happens is editions have like a peak of sales and they have a tail, mm. and when the tail starts dropping off, then they're like, eh, we'll do a new edition. Yeah, and it's usually a lot less than twenty years. Yeah. Oh, well, significantly. I mean, Shadowrun yeah, yeah. is, what, on its seventh edition now? So It might just a... be that they're just like testing the water just to see if yeah. anyone's interested. That might yeah. be all there is to that. I don't know. I, well, I think maybe they didn't have it on their radar for this year, but because of the open gaming license stuff, a lot oh. of people have been looking at GURPS because um, lots of people that are fans of it are like, mm. have you tried this? Like, you should give yeah. it a go. And so I think there's probably a lot of people looking at it, so they're like, mm, you know, there's people asking for it, so... I guess if your fan base is asking for something, it's worth looking into. So maybe they're just looking at it right now. Mm. I mean, at its core, it's a pretty simple system. It's 3D6 roll under. What could go wrong? Mm. Everything. Because yeah. it's dice and they hate me. <laughs> legit. Legit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, big shout out to listener Lee Donovan, who's like, oh, yes, Jessica's playing my tune. <laughs> you should have seen Jessica trying to break a chain on Tuesday night. And you still oh, can't. How many times did you watch roll that D20 you know, <laughs> to break that chain? What What matters for us is that it was broken. Finally, <laughs> it was broken. <laughs> and that's, was it broken by you? 
And I don't even think so, no. <laughs> I don't even think it was me. Um, anyway, but yeah, you can you can watch Against the Dragon Lords if you'd like to see 15 minutes of me just angrily hitting a mm. chain and doing ah. nothing else, which is, of course, is brilliant actual play content. Love um, it, love it. Yeah. So my top tip for anyone finding who is worried about finding themselves in that situation is take a crowbar because there's advantage on strength checks. Mm. I didn't. The more you know. I didn't have one. You did have a battle axe. I did have a battle axe. Poor yeah. playing on your part. <laughs> Look, Peter, we're in a situation. I did the best I could. No I one tried, died and the chain is broken. It's fine. <laughs> anyway. So, but, moving on. Yes, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Starfinder. Oh, my gosh. Year six of Starfinder. Has it really been around for six years? Wow. Ooh, I still feel yes. like it's a couple of years old. Have they found the star? Uh, no, they no. still have not found After the star. After six They've years, oh. They haven't found the star or the path. Okay. No, these things have been found. I mean, Starfinder, as you know, Jessica, is a game all about uh, a talent show, which has been going on for quite some time. So the Starfinder Society is essentially like this massive... I don't, I don't think she believes That's me. That's great. No, yeah. no, no. I, I mean, I don't, but I love. I would love that interpretation. That does sound more like a role-playing game I'd want to play. It sounds, so a, bit, it sounds a bit so like Drama it's Llama. The, it's like the X Factor or something. Yeah. Anyway... Yeah. 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 So anyway, so there's a new a new meta plot for Year Six, Ooh. which starts yeah. in May. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Year of Fortunes Fall, and the meta plot kicks off at PaizoCon Online 2023, happening Ooh. over Memorial Day weekend. I don't know when that is, but it's then. Yeah. Does anyone know when Memorial Day weekend is? I can Google All it. All our American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we know when this is. Why don't you be fools? It's uh, May the 29th. I, okay. I don't even know what Memorial Day is for. I'll it's a federal honest. holiday morning U.S. military yeah. personnel. So it's kind of like when we would have um, the poppy remembrance Sunday, remembrance Sunday yeah. poppy appeal. Poppy stuff. day, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, right. Poppy yeah. appeal. You know. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So this meta plot yes. it runs throughout the year. There'll be seven adventures, seven Starfinder Society scenarios. And the first one is going to be called uh, Year of Fortunes Fall, an adventure of first to fourth characters. And you're at a gala hosted by a grand museum. And there's, can you unravel the evil plots of the organisation? I probably can't, but I would be interested in going to that gala. Because yeah. it's, what an opportunity to get dressed up. Yeah. And they're also making some species that will always be available for organised play, which are the Knoll, the Hanakan, the Kirinta, the Kualu, the Raxalite, and the Shimreen. I don't actually know what those are, most of them, but they are Starfinder um, species. Okay. And if you want to play a kobold, a cyacnoid, a skiphosian, or an uplifted bear, you can purchase those with achievement points. Ooh. An uplifted bear. I know, right? Yeah. I, not, I mean... not a cocaine bear, as I saw the advert for. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know the Dark Souls RPG that came out last year, was it? Oh, Steamforge Games. Yeah. yeah. The yeah, one that made me hire an extra proofreader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah. They got it fixed and they brought out the corrected version. Anyway, so uh, there's a monster co- coming out at the end of August this year, 2023. Oh. It's called The Tome of Strange Beings. I bet this book will have been proofread so many times. I, I imagine so, I bet so, this yeah. will have been the most heavily edited and looked at role-playing game book in <laughs> yeah. the history of yeah. publishing. yeah. So. Yeah, there won't be a single typo in no. there. Mm. No. No. It's 120 pages. Yeah, it's got over 80 monsters from various ages in the Dark Souls lore. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know the Dark Souls lore, but it includes Ornstein and Smaug, or Smoff, and Nito, and even Lord Gwyn. There you go. And each monster comes with 5e compatible stats and lore. That's nice. 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 I've not played the Dark Souls game. Has Me anyone neither. else played it? No. Me neither. No. no. I, can't no comment. I cannot comment on it. Yeah, all, like I say, all I know is the, the, the Seems issues. Seems hard and grindy. Mm. But that's what the ga- That's what the video games like. I've played the video game. I, I just oh, got really yeah, frustrated yeah, and stopped because yes. <laughs> so, I was like, "This uh, isn't fun," it. and I'm playing this to have fun, and now I'm just annoyed. Yeah, so, fair. that's so, me with most most video games. To be honest, yeah. could, could, could I shout out a Kickstarter? Sure. Yes. I do have a couple. Uh, I put them in the chat. I thought I'd go with Strikes and Spares, which is a bowling tabletop RPG. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. How does that? Tell us about it. Let me. Um, we shared the just, link here. I'm just gonna. Open it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've labelled them because I just came across all these like rather darling little quirky kickstarters, which are like, oh, these, these, these are very cute. Um, so um, it uses the rolled engine, the randomised outcome league ledger, which is oh. a fantastic backronym. <laughs> mm. to work out <laughs> how many pins get knocked down. Outcome is aided or hindered by the player character's uh, attributes inventory, intoxicants, or interference from competing teams. Wow. Yeah. And if you want to do, uh, I guess, uh, is it is it 10-pin bowling? Then mm. this this may be, this may be the uh, game for you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, it's almost funded. It's got a £368 goal. Um, I'm not expecting I mean, a pl- pledges start round about the, uh, uh, bu- 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 I'm going to say the six, six Canadian dollar mark, um, for a PDF. But yeah, I mean, looks, it looks, it looks cute. Um, mm. it tickled my fancy. So I thought, I'd, I thought I'd give him a shout. That Strikes and Spares, a bowling TTRPG. That yeah. does look very cute. It's like a slice, they say a slice of life role playing game. Yeah. Yes, yeah, a small town bowling league. I like it, yeah. Uh, like you say, it's not. They're not asking a lot as well. Just six dollars for the PDF, and they have a hardship um, fund for just three dollars as well. You've done that before, haven't you, Peter? A hardship thing. Did yeah, people, yeah, yeah. Um, did people tend to take up on it, or um, less? Uh, less than I'd hope. To be fair, um, right. the idea behind that was to. Uh, I didn't go for three dollars. I went for giving it away for free for people who felt that okay. they qualified as hardship, mm-hmm. which is basically people who felt like they should ask me, and that was. After conversation with, do you remember Cesar Capacli? He did the um, Star Riders and the uh, Neuronauts RPG. Well, he said that actually putting any monetary value on means that people who live in the Global South then have to deal with transaction fees, credit card fees, and a whole bunch of other stuff to be able to buy it. So that just puts the barrier, even if it's just a penny, that just immediately puts the barrier up. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly. So it's like, well, in which case I might as well do it for free, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and say no, that's, that's not like, yeah, it's not yeah. like you're making a ton of money off of it, is it? So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but this may be being a bit more specifically located for people in Canada and presumably North America. Mm. I think three dollars is a yeah, pretty yeah. kind way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. I might not. I've got a Kickstarter that's popped up. So oh, yeah, you the... know, uh, Stars Without Number and Worlds Without Number. Oh, is yeah, this a sci-fi Cities Without fantasy Number? Game. Cities Without Number is a yeah. cyberpunk version of that game system by Kevin Crawford. Oh! And it's on Kickstarter oh. now. It's doing very, very well. Damn straight it's doing well. Okay. Oh, damn it. Oh, sorry, I thought Cities Without Number I was like, oh, that's just going to be a city generation thing. I'm not interested in that. But no, it's mm. a cyberpunk one. Oh, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a side, it's a, yeah. And I assume it's fully compatible with the other two games. Uh, I, I don't know if cross compatibility is a design. I don't know either. I'm not, I, um, not I don't, knowledgeable enough, but yeah, it didn't. Like I've got worlds about them, but I thought maybe it oh, would here be we go. Too. An old school inspired game system fully compatible with the sci-fi Stars of that number game and its fantasy sister game Worlds of that number. Yeah, so it's all fully yeah, yeah. compatible. Ah, I'm just good. looking through it. All. It's all the standard, um, you know, cyberpunk stuff you'd expect. Yeah, from a game like that. Um, there's a free version on DriveThruRPG that you can download now. Yeah, and then the actual thing there'll be a free and a deluxe version, which is you know extra content, lots of cover mm. art and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So if you back it, you get immediate access to ongoing drafts, like straight away. Yeah. It does look it does look rather cool. I'm uh, yeah, I am very mm. very interested in this. Oh. It's $80 to get the hardback, as well Ooh. as the DRM-free PDF, but that does include shipping, hmm. uh, as opposed to not including shipping. Right, That's, right. Uh, oh, no, I tell you, it's $105 to get a hardback. Uh, I might skip that one, to be honest. So I'm seeing $25 for a PDF, Yeah. 40 for a PDF and an at-cost print-on-demand code. Right, right. That will give you probably like a softback cover, eh? Yeah. 80 for a print book, PDF, and backer credit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't, doesn't say whether that's hardcover or not, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's an offset print as opposed to print on demand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a higher mm. quality book for 80. Yeah, I'll have to have a think about that one. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I very much enjoyed the game of Stars Without Number I was in. Um, yeah. It addresses a lot of problems. It's basically quite second edition-y, as in, mm. like, the ability scores, the maximum is plus two you can get from attributes, and mm. the minimum is, like, minus two or something like that. Mm. Um, it uses 2d6 for skill checks, mm. as opposed to a d20 roll. The mm. difference, of course, being that that means that if you're attempting, like, if you're a master thief, you are less likely to completely f- fall on your rear 5% of the time, which is mm. the ever-present problem of... Dungeons and Dragons. Hmm. Yeah. I also saw Monty Cook Games Avenue when I have Adventures in the Cypher system that's done over half a million dollars and it's got another two weeks to go. Nice. Oh, good, good for that. Which is pretty cute. Good work, Monty. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, they always kill it with Kickstarters, don't they? They, they know what they're yeah. doing. Um, so this specifically uh, is a new starter set, a deluxe Cypher system rulebook and two striking new genre books. Hmm. Which looks kind of cool. So if you're into the cipher system, mm-hmm. if many many people are, yes, um, it's, it's, it's pretty it's pretty popular, I think, these days. Mm, the cipher system. Yeah. Um, that's 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 going right now. The starter set is a box set, which looks quite nice. And then mm. the genre books we've got Rust and Redemption, and we've got It's Only Magic. Yeah. And there's also a bestiary, creature decks, all sorts of stuff that come with it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone see anything else on the Kickstarters that they wanted to plug before we move on? I, I did have a couple. Um, there is These Stars Will Guide You Home. Mm. That is, uh, again, a rather little dark dining one. It's a solo journaling RPG. Mm. It's actually already funded. Mm. So got 13 days to go as of the 10th of February. So you may want to get in on that quick, as soon as you hear this or not. And it seems to be like you're just like doing like sort of almost a little hex crawl, mm. but they've got like these pretty little hexes that you go into and um, 
Uh, it, there's not huge amounts to it, and the pledges are something like um, seven pound, seven seven euros. I beg your pardon mm. for digital. Um, I, I I came across it because it's uh, all been illustrated by a chap called uh, Fernando Salvatera, who's a Brazilian artist mm. who also did work on um, Overiles, which is the sign language RPG. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, it's pretty little art to look at. So uh, yeah, mm. not too shabby, really. Very very cool. Are you going, Jess? I, I don't. It's not a Kickstarter one, but it yeah. is uh, a little indie. Well, I I have discovered mm. for myself, mm. um, yeah, learnt yeah. about uh, Caltrop Core, which I'd not seen before. Mm. Which ah, is very yes, yes, yes. Basic system. All D fours. Exactly that yeah. system. And um, so I was chatting to Kaya, who made her Odyssey on Not D and D on Monday, and we're talking about that then. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine said, "Oh, I got this game in a bundle, and I think you would really like it." And I don't know what this says about me, because <laughs> the game in question, I think I'm going to have to actually buy, is called Nighthawks. And at the yes. beginning, it has a big content warning that says this game is about loneliness and existential dread. And then it has a phone number for a national suicide prevention hotline on the front as well. Oh, okay. So that's telling you about the content of this game. And I don't know what it says about me. Yeah. My friend was like, Jess, you are really going to like this game. Um, okay, so <laughs> yeah. um, but just to bring like the just to bring the this area down, um, but yeah, it's it's exploring like loneliness, and you're playing different people in a in a cafe, but it's a bit um, the cafe doesn't ex- really exist in time and space, so it's a bit kind of creepy about that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just looked really really interesting. Uh, so mm. I, I I might be looking into that a bit more. I think I'm gonna have to purchase the game because I got the brief and. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. So I'm looking at games that go around Caltrop mm. Core because it's a really rules-like, yes. simple system. Um, yeah. And I'm having fun exploring those sorts of games at the moment. So not necessarily yeah. a Kickstarter, but that's a little indie thing I looked at and thought was very cool. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, let, let us know about that. If you want to run a game, and uh, we, we, can, we can bring out all our D4s. Yes, and I will do. Well, I think this is going to be yeah. a very specific type of game, and it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Okay. Do you know what? I th- I just think you know, but with the themes and the things it talks about, I think it's not. You know. Yeah. All right. I think we might be done with the news. I have yeah. some oh. other bits of news though. Yeah. More I, news. I, I, I do have a question about one final Kickstarter. Ooh. Another Kickstarter, bloody! It's, it's the Kickstarter what? episode. <laughs> well, it's more of a quick question about it, which is, how did the Gate Pass Gazette do? Ah. Oh. Yeah, it went really well. So it ended just over Ooh. fifty. Uh, 50 grand we brought in, which was really nice. nice. And this was yeah. a bit of an experiment for us because we didn't know if the community... Mm. I have it right here. Yeah, Russ has a uh, proof copy. Um, we didn't... Yeah, but this was this was a trial to see if people that, you know, have the gate pass cassette wanted a hardcover book. And the answer was, yes, yes, please. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as I might be saying, we look to do again in the future. And, yeah, and Next so... Next year. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. It could yeah. be an annual thing, one might say. Way. But, yeah, so it went good. Um, uh, so everyone's got their PDFs already because, as you know, we send out the PDFs instantly, so everyone's got them. Uh, we're just asking people's addresses, and as soon as Kickstarter sends us the money, uh, which usually takes about, like, two weeks or so from Kickstarter, uh, then we'll put the print order in and get them out to people so people should have their books uh, in March time. So trying to get this quickly. And that will also be when people have their copies of the Dungeon Delver Guide, because we're starting to send out from the UK warehouse now. So it'll be both Peter and I've got my deluxe copy. Yeah, so books from our UK warehouse are going out. The books are in America at port, and we're just waiting for somebody to, one, get them off the boat, 
And two, yeah. customs to look at them and go, these are books, please carry on with your day. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we will uh, send them out to all the US backers as well. Um, but that will mm-hmm. probably be March time. So March time, you'll get your copies of the Gate Pass Gazette, you'll get your Dungeon Delvers Guide. All your level up goodness will be with you then. So I'm excited about getting that sent out to people. Woo! Okay. <sighs> How can we get an invite to the Duchess's Ball? It's not easy. They only invite famous heroes these days. Okay, well, then we need to become famous heroes quick sharp. Well, how? How indeed. Oh, oh, I know, I know. You do? Today, my friends, we are going to fight a dragon. What? A dragon? Are you kidding me? No, why? I mean, it's the, it's, it's the ultimate heroic deed. The ultimate suicidal deed, if you ask me. Dragons are apex predators, the most powerful elemental creatures in the whole world. Exactly. That, that's why it's so heroic. You know, deeds like this are the stuff of myth and legend. With an emphasis on the myth and the legend part. Yeah, look, the chances of surviving an encounter with a dragon are 737 to 1. I know. I did the maths. Never tell me the odds. I don't know. I think the odds are pretty darn relevant in this case. I mean... Can you even name one person who has defeated an actual dragon? Um, well, there's, uh... Oh, Sir Bartholomew, the lesser. Ether alive by a greater fire dragon, as I recall. Oh, um, well, what about... Oh, Lady Elisar of Badgerton-upon-Sea. <laughs> Poisoned to death by a vile swamp dragon. All right, well, well then, there, you know, there's always Grundlewick the Eternal, Archmaid of the North and the South. Ah, good old Grundlewick. I knew him well. Frozen into an icicle by an ice dragon, they put him up on display at the Imperial Palace until he melted in the summer. You see, nobody fights a dragon and returns alive. Ooh, why don't we lower our sights a little bit? How so? Maybe we could tackle a mid-sized wyvern, or a really large kobold. A, a really large kobold? Where is the heroism in that? You know, I don't want to be Galantria of the Barwick, Knight of Calamon, really large kobold slayer. You know, I'd never go to the ball with a name like that. Yeah, it definitely lacks oomph. It lacks more than oomph, my friend. Well, it's better than Galantria of Barwick, Knight of Calamon, Dragon's Dinner. <laughs> I'll give you that. Look, you know, we can't just stand here bickering and We have to fight something... Or we'll never be invited to the ball. We could clear the rats out of the cellar again. Or deal with that badger infestation they're having in the East Woods. No, no. None of that is heroic enough. You know, we need to find something monstrous. Do we, though? What do you mean? Well, we could just say we fought something. Hmm. It would have to be believable. How about a clown? Perfect! A clown! We'll just tell Odie we slew a dread clown. So, Galantry of Barwick, Knight of Calamon, Slayer of Dramorian Clown. Okay, actually, I like it. Dramorian? Um, yeah, it's, it's a place up north. You know, I saw it in a holiday brochure once. It, it looked really lovely. Wait, what's that noise? Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. 
Subscribe at patreon.com slash Morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget, patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? Okay then, so we are going to talk about learning role-playing games, new role-playing games, and how it's different for different people, how they learn games, and and possibly what ways one can teach Mm. role-playing games to players. I think this is relevant at the moment, I thought it was good, uh, because loads of people are looking for uh, trying out new games. Because the the OGL stuff, loads of people have gone, maybe I should try something other than D&D, and are doing mm. that. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. But then I think sometimes mm. it's challenging because you're like, I know the rules to D&D, and I don't know the rules to this other thing. And sometimes it's, it's just so much easier to just stick with what you know. That's the issue yeah. I have well, with, diff- with my board games as well. I have a stack of... Well, people have different board learning games. styles, don't they? So yes. some people like to read. Some people like to be told stuff. Some people like to just do it and learn by mm-hmm. doing. So yeah. there's, there's, there's some people who would like to watch it. Like they could, might want to watch an online yeah. video or something mm-hmm. like that. So there's loads and loads of different ways, especially these days, yeah. more mm-hmm. so than ever. Loads of different ways you can learn a new role playing game. How do you? Yeah, yeah. How do you? What do? You, what's your preference? Because mm. uh, you like reading role playing books, so would yeah, that be? Yeah, yeah where you'd start. I, I got. I got to admit, I've always sort of regarded that as a sort of superpower. It's a reading. mix of reading, reading, and doing. Yeah. Read, no, reading role-playing game books. Oh, right. <laughs> it depends on, it's got to, yeah, some books aren't good to read, though. Some role-playing game books aren't good to read. Like, oh, yeah? Yeah. You take, I don't know. Take, like, Were you about to put one on blast? <laughs> well, no. But they're not. like, I got this whole list of people, but I can't name it, because yeah, I know no, these right. guys, and they get angry was at me. very much yeah. designed as more of a reference hmm. book than a book to sit down and read. Sure. Yes. So some books are harder to just sit down and read. Yeah. And yeah. learn a game that way. Mm-hmm. So some mm. some some games, yeah, you do have to learn them in different ways. I think a lot of people learn five E by watching Critical Role and things mm. like Critical Role. Yeah, yeah, I think actual players are really yeah. a really good way for me to learn because I think that's if if you want to learn by doing, if you don't learn by reading the books, going mm. to a table not knowing the thing, like I think a lot of people don't feel good about doing that. So almost watching an actual mm. players like a almost a learning by doing, but watching someone else doing the doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, right, right. Okay, that's interesting. I think that's yeah. that's why at Ian we have we sponsor actual players that play Level Up and we run Level Up campaigns. So I think for some people they're like, I'm interested in this, but how is it actually different from D and D Fifth Edition? And I think sometimes just just being able to have a look and be like, oh, I see, and just seeing people use equity dice and stuff like that. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, I like the idea of kind of like you know how video games have like a tutorial level. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which I, which generally I hate those tutorial levels. I find them really tedious and they're yeah. really hard to get through. Um, <laughs> oh, but okay. well, that's just on, on account of their tediousness, not difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> um, like you could sort of like starter sets and stuff like that kind of do that with yeah. RPGs to an extent. Mm-hmm. So they, they sort of like gently introduce you to rules and then it can become more complex later. Yeah. 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 So that's a way to do it mm-hmm. rather than plunging in at the deep end. That's, that is true. That's, Tricky to write though. How how do you approach writing a starter set or an adventure for something that's meant to introduce the rules slowly? Well, I'm sort of doing that with the What's Odd's new starter set right now. I know, Russ. Mm. That's why so... I thought it was a good question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry to break the illusion right, for the set, listeners. <laughs> oh, the listeners can now see behind the curtain. Yeah, <laughs> true, you're true. Even I but... didn't see that coming. Anyway, so. Um... 
Yeah, so they've like condensed the whole rules down into like a thirty-two page soft cover rule book slash pamphlet. Uh-huh. Oh, impressive. So basically you leave out a lot of the rules and you simplify a lot of the rules. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I is the approach I took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um I think that'll work fairly well. And then I've got mm-hmm. three adventures, short adventures in there and a bunch of stuff, like maps and mm-hmm. tokens and stuff. But yeah. So that's that's my approach to trying to do that tutorial level type thing. Yeah, I think starter mm. sets are a really good way to learn by doing as well, especially if it's new, because you also don't have to invest as much financially. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, they're usually cheaper than a whole game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah and we're making one for what's already uh, for level up as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that's less a starter set and more what we're kind of internally calling an upgrade kit at the moment. Yeah. Yes, so, we, we have discussed upgrade kits before yeah, as a concept, yeah. so that's a yeah. Yeah. But so it assumes that you've got D&D 5e and know how to play it, mm-hmm. and then you use yeah. this sort of 30-page upgrade kit booklet and the other stuff in the box just to sort of upgrade the game to level up. Just level up your game. Okay. Yeah, exactly, Wee. literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it seems perfectly reasonable. I mean, because, to be honest, it's not hugely different. It's just like a lot of the things are shaking off the rough edges and making it a bit nicer, so... Mm. And it, it's like things that you won't see because they're GM facing. Mm. That's that's a lot of where it's come from. A lot of work had to be done yeah. to make it a better experience, like rewriting spells or that. That's a good point, Peter. Yeah. So when learning a new game, the GM mm. has a different task to do than the players. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Because generally, right. the GM is going to be the interface through which the players. Mm-hmm access that new game. So the GM kind mm. of has to do a lot more work yeah. beforehand mm-hmm. and then sort of introduce the rules to the players, which is kind of why the hobby tends to be a GM-led hobby yes. in that people tend to play the games that GMs want to run because that's just, you know, how how, the, how, it, how it just like shakes out that's, when you have that set up. I, no. I almost, uh, especially if it's a one-shot, I don't expect players to put a lot of effort into learning the new game until they come to the table. No. I mean, I know mm. it's, that so depends, but... My friends and I, we have a weekend where we meet up and we play games all weekend and everyone's bringing new stuff. It's an opportunity to do that. And mm. there was never any pressure for the players to kind of do anything. Like, the GMs come along. The GMs know the system. Usually they've pre-prepped the character sheets, you know, and so that's all kind of done for you and you can just pick what flavour of character you want. Mm. Um, and then you just kind of learn by doing. But that's a really good point that as the GM, you have to sit down and actually do all the work for that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. When yeah. I used to do the Judge Dread demos at conventions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. With your players, game. Yeah, the players definitely did not know the rules when they came along. And I only had yeah. an hour. Yes. And I felt that worked okay. Um, you were able... Yeah. I kind of feel like a demo game and stuff like that. If you can put it into a demo game, especially yeah. an hour's demo game, and just get the basic... Yeah basic points of the rules across and just kind yeah. of like ignore some of the rules and just smooth across stuff and say yes a lot mm-hmm. yeah. that is a really quite a good way to ease people in so if someone says can i do this just say yes and work it out for work out how for them don't expect them to have to work that out yeah yeah um, I'm, I'm sure i've uh covered this before when we're talking about it but i had a gm who was a teacher by training and mm-hmm. what they did was they would introduce a concept and then under a, in a low pressure environment, and then we would then apply the concept in a later more high pressure environment. Oh, was that the guy that ran the game in a pub? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 so yeah. That, that that's that's 
I gotta say, like once I worked out that's what he was doing. I mean, we never actually discussed it, but I was like, oh, okay, this because we, we were also trying a lot of new systems. We tried Traveler, mm-hmm. Exalted, Dark Heresy, mm-hmm. D twenty games that I can't remember the names of, Barbarians mm-hmm. of the Apocalypse, and uh, there might be some other ones I'm just forgetting. Yeah, but like there was a certain it comes. It, I, I was like starting to notice patterns yeah. in managing. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. That's actually a really good way to teach. That's why yeah. the, all these rules are so yeah. easy for me to pick up. That's and yeah. those Try systems it. you reference are they're yeah. not like necessarily rules light systems. They're you know yeah, like barbarians yeah. of the apocalypse is pretty light, but yeah. um, certainly like the D twenty ones mm. were just obscure for me entirely. Mm-hmm. Exalted <laughs> is is famously not known for being particularly light. Yeah, good yeah. core mechanic though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking back to the demo so I run. So basically, it sort of goes yeah. on this. They've got they've got pregens. Yeah. And now the pregens are placed in front of them. The pregens are designed to look as attractive and not as complicated as possible. But mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. they'll look at that character sheet and won't understand it really. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you run the game and you just do it from a point of view is they just say what they want to do and then you tell them what to roll. So they'll go, okay, I want to climb that wall. So I'll go, okay, so what you need is you need to t- look at your um, agility score on there and look yep. at your climbing. Add those two together. That's how many dice you get to roll. So roll those dice. And, you know, just tell them exactly what they need to do to do the thing that, and and why they're doing it that way each time. So don't expect them to ever come up with a rule. Always, you know, they tell you what they want to do, you tell them how to do that. I think that's how I've learned every single roleplay. Yeah, yeah. Wait, now you're saying it. I've just turned up to a table and GM's been there and like, don't worry, we'll talk you through it. So for you, it's the playing by doing approach. Very much. I always prefer somebody talking the rules at me than reading i don't know maybe mm. that's just because i'm dyslexic so when i read things i might read things wrong or just not it's it's more mm. hard work um tell you what i can't handle is the info dump mm. yes. and i get this this is one of the one of the big barriers for board games that i've had real trouble yeah. getting into board yeah. games because mm. i'll turn up at a board game and there'll be like four oh. or five people there most people will sort of know how to play it a couple of people might not and someone will stand at the head of the table and there's this info dump for 10 minutes on the rules of the game yeah and it's yes. like i took none of that in and you didn't even start at the beginning anyway. So. See, <laughs> yeah. I do like an info dump, but the info dump has to be done well. Yeah, I mean, you get people that don't oh, start wow. by explaining what the goal of the game yes. is and framing it yeah. correctly. Yeah. They start somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, I, don't, yeah. I still don't know how that relates to the overall structure of the game yeah. or what the overall structure of the game is. Because mm. Are you going top mm. down, goal mm. first, and then building, and then explaining how one achieves that goal, or you start saying, these are the things you can do. And then building mm-hmm. up towards how you treat the goal. Because mm-hmm. different people will want a different sort of thing. Yeah. I, I personally like to know what it is I'm trying to achieve first. Yes. Between these points. There's a specific way to explain rules to a game. And I had this from yes. my kind of when I had the board game cafe. Shut up and sit down, do a really mm. good video on mm. this, which I'd recommend people to watch. I thought you were just telling us to shut up and sit down then for a Also second. I'm saying that. Because because the, why your expression you changed that as you changed, shut up and well, shut know. up and sit down, both of you. I know it's a, that's a great, it's a great thing with that group. But anyway, they have a video about how to teach board games, which goes through this, which I think mm. is really applicable to role playing games as well. Um, oh, we a bit. should uh, get a link for that and put it in the show notes. I will. I'll in send fact, it. I, sh- I should. I should have a link. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. But we had a version of this when I had coffee and dice at my board game cafe because we part of yeah. the job for our staff was uh, we want them to recommend and teach games to our customers. Yeah. And so we had to train our staff. We're like, this is how you teach games. And it very yeah, much started trainers. with, yeah. this is what you are trying to achieve. And mm-hmm. this like, this is how you get there. 
Um, this is what a turn and also a bit of theme beforehand to get you into it. This mm-hmm. is what, um, yeah. And also then you also say when the game ends, you say that near the beginning, this is what you're trying to achieve. This is the time frame you got to do that in. And this yeah. is how you do that. And then a turn in between. Yeah. I'm doing it very badly. Mm. Surely. The shut up and sit down videos are yeah, much better. But I think that's kind of true of a role playing game as well. So you kind of, yeah. obviously it's not mm. as structured in that way. Like a role playing game, you're not going to be like, right, it's going to be 40 minutes and we're going to end in 10 turns. Cause that's, mm. that's different. But I think some of those things yeah. are kind of applicable. If you, if you're talking mm. about the structure, you know, kind of of a game, especially if you've got something yeah. like that's highly structured, like 10 candles compared to something that's mm-hmm. far more free form, you know, than other games. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I think you can take those some of those rules from board games you have in there. Mm. But interesting, yeah. yeah. But one thing I do you yeah, think sometimes <laughs> do you think it's different introducing a, new, a game to people who have played role playing games before and people who are brand new to role playing games? Yes, is that a different approach? Yes. Would you say? Mm, mm, yeah, I'm saying immediately yeah. yes. Yeah, you got to you got to cover the concept really, haven't you? I I think yeah. for people new to role playing games altogether. You just have to explain mm. the very idea of what role playing is, that you're going yeah. to be a person yeah. and give them permission to do things. Um, especially yeah. because if somebody's done role playing before, they kind of know they can sit there and go, okay, well, I want my character to go over here and do this. How do I do that mechanically? Yeah. And I look at their character sheet and I say, okay, these are obviously ability scores of some kind. I kind of understand the concept. Yeah, you, know yeah, you mean, have that sort of reference thing. points, but like, yeah. yeah, if you've never done that before, I think the whole thing's a lot well, more intimidating. So that's something I found quite a useful way to explain to people what it is we're actually doing is I like to use a concept that people are familiar with, like mm-hmm. watching TV. So if you're watching like, you know, an action movie and the characters are about to do something really stupid and you're staring at the screen and you're shouting, you idiots, don't do that, that's so stupid. You, you can be those idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's how I explain it. And yeah, I mean... Like people laugh, and but that that sort of gets the idea. So you don't have any of the mm. paraphernalia. You don't have the kit or the costumes or all that. Yeah. But you just got somebody is providing the the extras and yeah. like sets the scene, and then everyone else is just basically acting out uh, a part. Yeah. But like just make it up as they go along. Well, yeah. I, so, yeah. I think a lot of people, if they've done improv theatre or something like mm, that, yeah. that is they'll 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 immediately get that part of it. Or even yeah. if people haven't done that, if they've done like a murder mystery dinner party or something like that, mm-hmm. like that's another like explanation to it. Or for a lot of people, I just say we're just we're going to tell a story. Do you? Do you? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, that game mm-hmm. when you have a piece of paper and you write a bit of a story and then you fold it over yes, to the next yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is that, but with different mechanics. Pretty much, we're just going to collaboratively yeah. tell a story. Because um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes some people struggle with how you win. With a role playing game, yes. and as we know, that the the twee answer is by having a fun time. Um, mm. But but that's true because very often in the game you're not yeah. actually trying to win, and you actually you can play a Star Wars game and actually not you know be the person that brings down the Death Star. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. You're, you're kind of trying to win as in you're trying to accomplish the goals of the adventure, but you're not trying to win against the other players. Well, I'd say sometimes you you you're not going to win against the adventure. There are some yeah, but, you're trying, but you're trying, but you're often trying to. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, characters yeah. might be I trying mean, that's to. Frequent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you've got solo journaling RPG, which we talked about. Yeah, yeah. What's it? Mm. Yazeba's bed and breakfast. Yes, like a whole a full home. slice of life game. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. There's no win conditions in those. Yeah. Mm. Um, although, like, obviously, they can be. Yeah. Like, 
So that's why I try not to talk about rolling dice as a necessity mm. of being a board game because yeah. you often, but don't always, have a randomization mechanic. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's lots of role playing games that don't have dice. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so introducing them, yeah, depending on where the person's experience is coming from, is totally different. Yeah. Um, and what type of games they're used to as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going from D and D, I guess the closest, the, the easiest step is to another game that uses dice and ability scores yeah basically yeah, and that, that sort of thing because it's kind of similar in concept and structure and they know what yeah. the dice are they know what an ability yeah. score sort of is um even if they use slightly differently but- whereas a jump from D to like uh, a solo journaling game might be a harder jump maybe i don't i don't know yeah. maybe yeah. not i don't know i think it is mm. i mean i i mean i yeah. started with uh indie tabletop rpgs then went to D yeah. and and now mm. and i'm trying solo journaling rpgs the first time and it is a totally different mm. vibe. And for a long yeah. time, I didn't get it. I'm like, but I'm going to play an RPG because I want to sit around and be social with people. Why yeah. Why would I do that solo? And I didn't, I didn't, it took me a long time to like get my head around that. But I kind of thought it wasn't mm. the same way that I play digital computer games. Mm. By, usually that's the thing I do solo. And I was like, no, I do want to have a game and I do want to interact with the story in some way. But mm. I just, I'm not feeling very social because I'm an introvert. And at this mm. time, people are terrible. <laughs> but for solo journaling um rpgs i think they can do that and i think mm. they but one thing that clicked for me with solo journaling rpgs is when people explained they use them to get somewhere else uh for another game like for example there's one and you're going on a, a journey um this is her odyssey you're going on a journey uh with a character and let's just, a lot of people use this as their character creation for like say you're going to do mm. a really mm. classic you know D or you know pathfinder campaign you use this mm. to create your character and give it them a backstory. So when you come to play that game, you're like, I know who this person is because I've sat and thought about experiences and things with them. And when someone framed it for me that way, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And there's other ones that are about world building or, you know, things like that. So I think that's, I think sometimes if you, when you're introducing a new game to somebody, frame it in the context that they know. So when someone framed yeah, it for me yeah. like that, they're like, okay, you're used to playing your campaigns this way. This is how it can inform that. I was like, so that was how somebody yeah. introduced me to solo journaling RPGs. Right, right. Well. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming, Jess, when you ran 10 Candles, had the people um, yep. that you were playing with played that game before or were you having to teach it? I taught it um, okay. there. How did that go? Well, they understood. Luckily, it's a, a fairly yeah. rules-light system, so it's not... Yeah. You know, it's you have a, yeah. a D6 dice pools, and if you roll a six, at least one in that dice pool is a yeah. success. And if you roll one, there's a go bunch away. of reasonably experienced role players as well. Yes, yeah, these are my friends I've been friends with for yeah, yeah. So, so there's sort of people you can just literally say D6 dice pool to, and they know what you mean. I could, but I wrote it out because yeah. I'm yeah. a bit of a type A personality. I'd written out yeah. and I have it in my notebook still, so I can take it to conventions or for other people because I have a bunch of friends yeah. that haven't done role playing before yeah. that I'll tell them about it, and they're like, oh, we'd like to try that. So I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna to introduce it to them, and I'm gonna take a very similar approach, but probably spend a bit more time explaining the role play side of it because a lot of it is quite free form. You just give people situations yeah. and they run off and do stuff. And I think for newer players, that would be like, oh, yeah. what do I do? Like, how do I? Yeah. You know, I think with I mean, experienced it... role players, you can just like, mm. as a metaphor, hit oh, a yeah, tennis ball useful. at them, and they'll chuck it around amongst each other. Yeah, it's useful when you can use mm. jargon. Yeah. With 
experienced players and they'll yeah but an analogy I, I i would use is when you guys talk about board games you use mm. jargon that i don't understand the meaning yeah. of and it means nothing to me so you oh, you, you yeah. might go oh this is a i don't know a collect and keep game i don't know if that's the thing yeah. i just made it up Work this is a collect and keep it's a trick it's and, a trick uh, taking yeah. Yeah, you might you, you might yeah. say that to peter and people go oh right right i understand basically yeah, yeah. what this game yeah. is now because i'm like i don't know what that means yeah it's in the same yeah. way if i said oh it's just a d6 dice ball game yeah, yeah some people will be like oh i understand that but if you if, if your relationship with RPGs is like my relationship with board games, yeah. you're going to be like, well, that's just jargon. That's just words. That's and, not. I'm- and for the listener at home who might not be aware, a D6 dice pool game would be where you've got some attributes, maybe some skills, and they've got a number next to them. So you just add up those dice and roll them, and they'll have a success number, like a, usually a six. And they're all six sided dice. Yes. Um, yes, in the D6 dice Yeah, in the D6 dice yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Well, just, like a D10. No, but it's even yeah. things like saying D6. To yeah, some people that aren't in role-playing yeah. games, they just know yeah. a dice. Mm. So you would, they wouldn't think to, to yeah. look at that and be like a D6. Have you, come, have you come across people that say die 6 and die 12? Yes. I've, I've come across a few people like that. I have not met them. Are they okay? No, Are they fine. doing well? Are they thriving? Uh, it's fine. It's okay. Okay. It's just... they, they don't seem happy. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> I, I was concerned about them. I won't yeah, well. No, I've, I've, I have over the years, I've met a, f- I've met a few. It's definitely... Well, maybe a... they're German. <laughs> There's definitely a num- there are definitely people that, that, that say that. Um, yeah. Rather than D6 and D12. Yeah, yeah no, that, yeah, make, yeah. that makes sense. Like, um... Yeah, it's fine. But I, mean, I, I just always notice it. That's all. Yeah, well, I suppose... If you know the singular is die and the plural is dice, and you mm. feel it's something that you really want to explain to people, then you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just seems like yeah, um, in, an impediment to communication to me, but whatever. Mm. Uh, yeah. mm. So I was actually thinking about it, like um, rules light can be quite good because there's less upfront to learn. Yes. But then that does put upon the GM a lot of improvisation to come up with. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a more rules-heavy game, there are answers. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I, I, I know that's something that Russ is very keen on, because I've seen him type it on many an occasion, which mm-hmm. is that, actually, as we are selling a game, we should be providing answers to people. <laughs> no. Which uh, gave me a sensible chuckle, I must say. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's it, does depend, it does depend on the type of game, though, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. c- certain rules like more flexible games, like my own awfully cheerful engine, is very yeah. much designed not to answer every question. It's designed yeah, for right. the GM to adjudicate. And yes, yes, but, but the GM has to be comfortable with improvisation. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a similar factor to 13th Age, which is a game designed so that you could run a D&D-style adventure mm. just off the cuff, essentially. Mm. No preparation required. Mm. You literally just... At the start of the game, roll the icon relationship dice, and based off your reading of what comes up, you then do a whole adventure based on what's uh, what what those dice have told you. Mm. Yeah. What's complicated? What's negative? What's positive? Here we so go. So that really appeals to me from a GM perspective because the thing that intimidates me yeah. is learning and knowing all the rules because yeah, yeah. you know I don't know all the rules to any game I play. It's a bit of a joke with people mm. but like because I, I play level up advanced for the edition my friends everyone's like oh jess yeah. you work at em publishing you know all the rules i was like i, I don't know any rules. <laughs> <laughs> i just like yeah. i just, yeah i just yeah because i just rules just don't stick in my head in that way and um mm-hmm. so and usually when i play a game i now have to play my character and that's yeah, yeah but i won't know what everyone else is doing whereas other people are like mm-hmm. they know all the rules like someone will be mm. like, "Oh, what's that spell?" And they're like, "Oh no, it's a it's a three d ten. You need yeah. for that spell." And yeah. they just know. 
And I don't well, know I how they do it. Before, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, like in D&D, some, some, each yeah. character requires different subsystems to learn. Yeah. Yes. I guess. Mm. And so to you learn how yeah, to yeah, play. Yeah. You yeah. learn a slightly different game to play to the yeah. person sitting next to you. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, so, but as the GM, if I was running a game system like that, I would feel I'd have to know all of the rules. Which yeah. is why it's yeah. so oh, learning. And that's I, why. I would yeah. I disagree. I, I think it's actually quite, quite, quite. Uh, it's, 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 it's quite a harmful take in some ways. Mm. Like not in a like major thing, but it's like no, you don't have to know all the rules. What you, what you probably want is you want the capacity to retrieve the rules you need to have quite quickly, mm. and the general understanding of the system well enough to say, okay, it's probably that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but and it's also a di- to know all the rules. Wow, that's there's a difference like, between rules and content as well. Like knowing yes, the rules yeah. of D and D is different to knowing what all the spells do oh, or all the feats. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. That's a different thing entirely. I guess. Yeah. I yeah. guess. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For learning new game systems from a GM perspective, because we were saying that mm. you know learning it as a GM and learning as a player are, are different things. So I think as a player, mm. the majority of games you can learn as you go from the things that you've said. Yeah. Your GM will guide you through, just like Russ was saying with the demos. But I think as a GM. Mm. I don't think you have that experience. I don't think you can just turn up and be like, all right, I thought I'd do this. Now let me just let, figure this out because I think that would be a terrible gaming experience. And there are some mm. systems that mm. allow you to do that, that when you just said, yeah. Peter, but mm. I think the, a, a lot of very popular games, you can't sit and do that as a GM. But that sometimes puts me off. And I think that's what's put me off GMing for so long. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm trying to get across, which mm. is that you don't necessarily have to like know everything about it. Like, yeah. Part of my express style of running fifth edition, advanced fifth edition, mm-hmm. is like when I don't know what the rule is, I'm like, I'm sorry, we need to just check this out. I'm not familiar, and then I bring it up and let people have a look, and then that's part of how they sort of learn mm-hmm. the rules themselves because they're seeing that I'm learning the rule myself, and then that improves what they know. So yeah. maybe that's something I can get away with because I have a different set of privileges to you, and people are less inclined to like give me sass. Or give me sass just one. Do you know I hadn't even thought about that, Peter? I, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine anybody that Jess would not give sass. To. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very nice. How dare you? No, I. Um, what, what, what I, I meant specifically about not knowing the rules. Yeah, yeah, no, I like, like, yeah. You... I, I, I enjoy the privilege of people who are like, well, you know, if we don't know the rules, then. But Pete, Peter doesn't know the rules, so we'll have a. We, 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 we all learn as well. Gee, I hadn't mm. even thought of that, but now you said that, I wonder if, because I'm a woman in, in games, mm. I often, when I go to a table, people assume I don't know the rules. And a lot of the time they're right, and that's annoying, but it's not because I'm a woman, it's because I'm <laughs> is, that, is that still the case, or is that changing? Um, yeah. I think it's still there. Uh, it's not in the circles yeah. I play in, but I'm, I play yeah. a lot of home games now, because I have a lot of people, mm. and the people I spend time with you know, don't they? I have a lot but of They know who I am. My people. <laughs> uh, well, I do. I have, I'm very lucky <laughs> that, like, cause when I first moved to Bournemouth, like, 12? over a decade ago, uh, I, mm. I I became part of this gaming group and it's just grown yeah. over time. So there's like, mm. I have like, there's a group of like t- almost 20 people that I could mm. play different games with that I know really mm. well that are cool people. Um, but yeah, mm. sometimes I go to conventions and things are... Yeah, sometimes people are surprised, like, you know, when... Even when, even when you're clearly, ru- you know, running a company. Yeah, well, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. UK Games Expo, uh, someone came up and asked me if I actually thing. play games, and I just sat and explained the rules of them to what sold as new, was there in an EM mm. publishing t-shirt on the stand, and I was like, I, like, <laughs> why do you think I'm here? Like, <laughs> I wanted to be like, no, I hate that, it's, 
But I don't know. I just, yeah. I think I think that's still that. I think it's less, but I think it depends which community you're in because there are some. Hmm. I think it. I think it really depends. But I wonder if when I first started role playing, that was very much the vibe I had. Me, I think it's hmm. less now. But I wonder if that's influenced me to be a GM because I was like, well, if I I'm not just representing myself here, I'm kind of representing women in gaming so if i make mm. a mistake everyone's wow. gonna be like ah oh, see women are terrible gms because uh, there are wow. some people wow. that have that yeah. that kind of thing and mm. yeah Strange i hadn't thought about it until you said peter so i don't know if that's the case for me or not but when you said that then i was like eh, maybe it's that as well mm. yeah. i mean like i say I, I think i think it's about the flow and the pacing of the game yeah which is yeah quite important yeah you don't want to be stopping every two minutes to look stuff up, oh, but yeah. sometimes you you need to. Yeah, you, you, you can take your time. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm a big fan of taking breaks or or designating um, or designating what I like to call rules monkeys, which are people yes. like uh, I don't know what the exact wording of this is. You rules monkey, check out yeah. check out what I've, the rule is. I've always been lucky. Um, you both know Al, but in my groups, mm-hmm. he's always been really good for that sort of thing. You're asking. Oh, I've always been Nick. Uh, Nick is very good also, very, very yeah, good yeah. also. They both are very, very good. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and, and so it does take, when I'm running a game, with having those two people sitting there, definitely takes some of the load off me mm-hmm. to actually know everything because I know perfectly well that I can just ask them a question and if they, if they don't know it, they'll look it up probably faster than I can. Yeah. yeah. And I can well, carry on running the game while they're doing that. My friends are well, Steph yeah. and Josie in my group for that. They just know yeah. every Like to the detail of, like I'd say, you pick a random spell and you're like, how many, what type of dice and how many for damage is that? And they're like, oh, you're at fifth yeah. level? It's this many. And they're correct. <laughs> like, and it's like, how? Oh, well, Al. Yeah. Al is even better. Yeah. So you get a brand, totally brand new game. You give yeah. him a copy of it. He comes back with a character. He's, yeah. he's resolved the rules. He's generated his character. The character is yeah. ultra optimized, better than any character <laughs> that someone has been playing that game for 10 years. <laughs> so does he, he learns the games by reading the books then, clearly? Like he absorbs I, I think so, it all yeah. that yeah. way. Super I think, I think, I think, I think that's his thing, yeah. 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 I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but I think, I think that's how he. How In terms he of, it. so learning the rules for a game by reading, because we haven't really talked about that. We mm. talked about, you know, learning yeah. as you play and watching actual yeah. plays. People I would say I don't necessarily learn the games by reading. I learn them by doing. Yeah. Mm. But I enjoy reading a good book. Now, when it comes to mm. a rule book, generally mm. speaking, I'm kind of talking about licensed stuff there because mm. it's half coffee table information book and half mm. rule book yeah. in a mm-hmm. sense, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you've got a Star Trek game. You're just like reading about the Q continuum or something, or you're reading yeah. about the Starship Enterprise, which are subjects that you're interested in, not yeah. necessarily games. So that yeah. really helps having that. So licensed games are a lot easier to read than oh, okay. the, the ones not... that don't have setting. Yeah, with it's them. giving you a setting. It's giving you a story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if it's, so, if it's, so it's a licensed game, it's a setting that you like anyway. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the old white wolf ones with all the stories and so forth in. Like oh, not necessarily. Really... Just, no? just, okay. just, just whacking some some uh, RPG fiction into your thing isn't necessarily going to work. Okay. I mean, it kind of has to for me has to be a hook into something that I already like. So right, if you gave right. if you gave me a, a, a licensed game based on a topic, a, mm-hmm. a TV show or a movie yeah. or a book series that I I already like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The process of, I'm not saying I'd like the game more, but the process of learning the game mm. is easier. then easier mm. for me. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I sort of come at it from a different thing in that, like, there is definitely, 
like an expectation that whilst the GM will probably know the rules, you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know the law of the setting, or what the players knows the law better than you, mm. that's like oh. I'm just I'm I'm just like nah, I'm out. Goodbye. Mm. Later. That's why I'd always and, do homebrew because then you just yeah, same. I'm just like yeah. if you make up your own setting, no one can contradict you. And also, well, we you did, can uh, collaborate did, with the players. You can be like, yeah, yeah did, what's this area? Like, tell me. Yeah. We did Dragon Nance, though, and I think we covered the lore of the setting, like, quite... Because you didn't know anything about Dragon Nance, did you, Jess? And I don't think... Did any of the other players? No. If they I, did, I not think, much. Not much, I, I no. think. I think... I think that the... In the case of Dragon Lance, the chances of someone knowing the setting better than you, Russ, were pretty slim in that game. I don't know the setting that well. I know the core... Not, not what I said. But the, 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 bar, the bar was low with the players. I mean, we were all interested, Fair. but we, oh, hadn't, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. we hadn't read the books. We hadn't yeah. played through the adventures in the 80s and had that yeah. nostalgia. So we didn't come yeah. with any, yeah. any, anything I think, I think, I think a, I think a setting where you can just go, okay, think standard fantasy and five bullet points. Yeah, And, yeah. and I'll explain the rest to you as you come across that's it. That's pretty that much what you did. Kind of and it worked because yeah. we were learning and exploring mm. Dragonlance for the first time in the mm. game. But had mm. we been had I been somebody that's read all the books and known stuff, maybe because you've yeah. made you said you made some creative differences for some problematic things mm. like the plains people yeah. and also the gully dwarfs, mm. you know, mm. you change them yeah. for the Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure I handled gully dwarves all that well to be honest. Mm. <laughs> well I I think you did. I wanted them to be gritty resistance fighters and they t- they still turned out to be comedy <laughs> comic relief. And I didn't actually mean that, but yeah. That's just how, how it ended up. Well, you know, oh. they are gritty resistance fighters. That but like they're not to comic play relief through, through learning difficulties. They're just comic relief no, through being pranksters. But they're yeah. not the butt of yeah. the joke. We have been the butt of the joke every single time yeah. we have but met them. Yeah, but they're So, because, yeah. yeah, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think knowing the settings is different from knowing the rules. But mm. going back to yeah. reading from books and learning from mm. books. One thing yeah. I've been reading, I've been reading books recently. Oh, I was okay, expecting yeah. some applause. Didn't happen. That's fine. Okay. And um, yeah. one thing I noticed, a lot of them don't have that I would like is like mm. a summary page or a quick reference sheet. And I can go mm. online and find them normally because our communities on Reddit and places. Yeah. Someone mm. has made it. But I was like, I'd love it just in the book if it was there. Mm. Because the, the, yes. the, a lot of the books, you read through it and it explains it really well. And But I want something where I can just quickly flick back and just have yes. an overall you know how like on board like, games like a board game like a board, like a board game. game rule summary yes. yeah yes i want that uh, it, it's, and it's a user interface issue okay here's an interesting it's a user interface question, user then. experience which is like board games are really good because yes. they've got a lot of input yes. and they're like okay. we want people to be able to yeah. say okay i'll check the summary oh, i can't quite remember the exact details i'll be able to go yes. find it yeah they are 100 that, that peter so, that is what i want so you two, books. You, so you two that's our experience with both board games and role-playing games, whereas I'm I, not as experienced with board games as you I, I will say that Jessica far outstrips my experience with board games. I don't sure. like most board games. <laughs> the ones I do like, I like a lot. Okay. But most, I'm not keen on. But That's how I feel would about you people. say, therefore, that board games in general, obviously there's going to be exceptions mm-hmm. and very, very yeah, badly yeah. written oh, board yeah. games and very well-written role-playing games, sure. but in yeah. general, yeah. would you say that board games are maybe are ahead of role-playing games in terms of accessibility and oh, explaining the rules? Yeah, miles. In terms of miles miles. accessibility, I'd say yes, but I think that's almost a, just a whole industry thing because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're I mean, not necessarily less are... complicated than a role-playing game. A lot of role-playing games are less complicated than a lot of board games. That's yeah, true. That, 
Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's complicated because by their nature, you have a much bigger possibility and decision space to explore mm-hmm. with a role-playing game. Because mm. you can do anything, mm. except for, like, if yeah. the rules prevent you from doing this, you know? Yeah. Whereas board games... That's just getting your head around that idea, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, think, the, yeah. The, the board games, like, you have a closed space... Mm. And you're not you're expected to stick within the rules of the you, board you game. choose you have certain options that you know that you're allowed yeah. to choose from each many yeah. times your turn. No, yeah. yeah. But yeah. learning yeah. learning from board games and rules writing there's there's a whole thing about um Paul Grogan's a really good person for writing board game mm. rules to look up. Uh they did a last oh, yeah. year UK Games Expo they did a um seminar on it that was really i found it interesting i was, look at me here saying it was so yeah. interesting it was a whole seminar about how mm. to write board game rules and i bet some people mm. out there yeah. going that sounds terrible jess i found it really interesting <laughs> and i think there That's are some applicable lessons from that that you mm. can take into role-playing games one of those examples mm. is the thing peter and i were just saying about that quick reference sheet so it just yeah. really quickly in one page is like do this do this do this do this and if you you forget what 0.7 means you can go to that page in the book because sometimes when mm. i'm running i just want that and sometimes it's not that I don't even not know it. I just want the reassurance that I'm doing it correctly. Mm. I just want something to look at and be like, oh, yeah, yeah it is that. I thought it was. Yeah. I just want that moment. Whereas I'm not going to look for that if I actually have to flick through the book. Whereas yeah. if it's on just... Mm. So that's something I would really like to see more in role-playing game books. Um, just yeah. a quick reference sheet for the GM. And like I say, a lot of people fan make these things and you can get them already. Yeah, yeah. But it would be nice mm. to just have them in the book. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, things like character sheets, I banged on for many hours, and Russ's eyes are rolling back in his head even as I start speaking. <laughs> like, yeah, but they're, they're what a player looks at 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Things like uh, with the Church Dread version of What's Old is New, mm-hmm. Church Dread in the World of 2018 to give it its proper name, you had the crimes for, you had the penalties for various crimes, the tariff, as it were, on the player-facing side of the GM screen. Yes. Yeah. Which I still think is an absolute banger of an idea. Like, I think you know, that, is, that is basically real estate that isn't used enough. Mm-hmm. You yeah, can put I, stuff on the player-facing side of the GM screen that they refer to a lot. You don't have yeah. to just put pictures there. I mean, I'm just saying that could be good for an upgrade kit. Mm. Just run it out there. Yeah, um, I, don't think, I don't think we're planning on putting a GM screen in there. Well, um, well and, unless you want yeah. the upgrade kit to cost a lot more than 20 quid. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. We we have sold out of upgrade kits, though. We need to probably pin some nice. almost. Upgrade kits? No, not upgrade kits. Uh, narrator screens. Narrator screens, yeah. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. We haven't even started selling them yet. They're still in development. <laughs> that's how fast I've been selling. That's how we sold out. Yeah. We have none left because we have not made no, anything. No, I, <laughs> I meant narrator screens. We're running out of them. We, yes. we need to print some more. And yeah. we're, we're running low on books as well because... Mm. Um, People keep buying them. People, yeah, so. a lot of people bought stuff in January for some reason that is a mystery to us all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Unexplained sales blip. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So kind of, I feel like we've explored there learning new role-playing games. We talked about... I think we have. The difference between well, GMs actually. and players, yeah. reading books, what you're wanting from rule books, what it can learn from board games, how you oh, learn by teaching. Oh, we haven't teaching. covered the fourth way of learning. What's that? Or is it the fifth way of learning books? By eating them? By, li- by licking the books. That is how... And learn, absorbing learn the knowledge yes. through right. osmosis. That is a very uh, niche way, but Hudson does yes. like that approach. <laughs> well, well, obviously you are not familiar with the cat way of learning them, mm-hmm. which is you just lie upon the books and sort of, <laughs> it's sort of like an inverse printer. You just <laughs> right. sort of, you scan the information right. up. Does the, 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 the print actually come off the page and just... 
No, no, it's a it's a very it's a very efficient method. Um, okay, okay. Uh, by this by this method, my cat mm. is like one of the leading authorities on the level up. Yeah, I've unfortunately, said your cat that. can't talk. So, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, but he's faking and rolling dice. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I think sometimes that's all the fun you need from a role playing game is just to knock about some yeah. dice. So, yeah. fair enough. Uh, all right, cool. So yeah, so we've done all the different ways people learn and how. I I feel that was I feel that was good. Yeah, Unless somebody learns role-playing games in a different way than we said, then please do tell us. Cause... I'm sure somebody does. And yeah, yes. people yeah, that, free to let us know. I am actually genuinely interested. I think we are Goofy done. Mass. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. In that case, until next week, I bid thee farewell. Yes. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Sayonara. Take your pick. Sajian. Okay, bye. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I've just discovered half a dice... Huh? The other half of the dice. I thought Hudson had eaten the other half of the dice. He hasn't. It's here. That's quite impressive. That's why he's had a quality control. He can test the durability of roleplay. I guess so. Like guess that so. D20, yeah. which is now bitten in half. Yeah. D20, Hero Forge models. Mm. They all test them all. Yeah, yeah. Sofas. Yeah, none of them have survived yet.